Welcome to the 61st installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Green Acres is a Minnesota program that allows the taxable value of farmland to be lowered when it is being driven up due to development pressures. Since it was first created in 1967 by the Minnesota legislature, the program has helped thousands of farmers producing food on millions of acres of land to not be priced out of the region by property taxes that have nothing to do with the price of corn, beef, vegetables, or milk. But changes were made to the program during the 2008 session of the Minnesota legislature, with no meaningful input from farmers and almost no opportunity for public input. The changes make a distinction between productive and non-productive land, and so-called non-productive land is ineligible for green acres. This makes wooded acreage, wetlands, and other parts of a working farm that are not tillable, but a necessary part of good stewardship, potentially ineligible. The distinction between productive and non-productive is antiquated thinking that is reminiscent of a fence-row-to-fence-row mentality. Another change is that a transfer, not a sale, of land triggers a payback of back taxes on so-called non-productive land. That means a parent transferring a farm to a son or daughter may have to pay taxes even though they have no money coming in from the land transfer. These changes have caused major problems for farmers in the rural communities they live in. Farmers who have for years done the right thing by protecting sloughs, wetlands, woodlots, meadows, and other wild corners of their farms will now be punished for continuing to keep these areas in their natural state. Also, these changes have negative ramifications for retiring farmers looking to pass on their land. During the 2009 session of the Minnesota Legislature, the Land Stewardship Project is working with farmers from across the state to push lawmakers to repeal the 2008 changes. One of the farmers negatively affected by the recent changes to Green Acres is Heidi Morlock. Her family raises produce on a farm that lies in Minnesota's fast-developing Scott County. The farm has been in her family for many years, and the Green Acres changes threaten to make it unaffordable for them to remain there. While at the Minnesota Capitol recently to meet with lawmakers on this issue, Morlock talked to me about how the Green Acres changes will affect her ability to farm, as well as to be a good steward of the land. Sure. We moved out to the farm in the fall of 2000, and this is my grandparents' farm, 67 acres. They were dairy farmers, and we completed the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginning course that winter, and then spent a lot of work um, restoring the farm. It had all been cleared and tiled and drained, and so we reconstructed two wetlands um, and planted native grasses, wildflowers, sedges, the water-loving shrubs and trees, and then we also planted 11 acres of native hardwoods on a steep and highly eroded area of our farm, and enrolled both of those in the green acre, I mean, in the conservation reserve program. And then we also planted windbreaks um, around our farm as well. And now all of those significant improvements that we did to the farm, um, the Green Acres program says that they're now considered unproductive, non-productive, which I think couldn't be farther from the truth um, since they're holding moisture, you know, they catch the winter snow and summer rains and they're fixing carbon and increasing biodiversity on the farm. And I feel like they're a, a buffer between our farming and the impact that would have on the greater ecosystem. And they can't be separated out. They're mutually beneficial, and it's all part of one working unit on the farm. It's all connected. That that idea of it being one working unit and not separating it out, in a way, I think some of these ideas about, well, we're going to have non-productive and productive land, 
is kind of an old, archaic idea of what farming is. Because farming it does provide these multiple benefits, and you guys are definitely seeing that with producing food and these ecological services, especially in that area, which I think is the Minnesota River. You're near the Minnesota River in that area there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and even conventional farmers around me have streams running through their farm and woodlands, and they've planted buffer strips around their streams, and all of that will be considered non-productive and taxed at the market value, which in our county, being part of the seven-county metro area, is significant since land values go all the way up to $67,000 an acre. Yeah, because that's another issue. That's a fast-growing area. Very, It's kind of in the metro area. It's a very fast-developing area, isn't it? Yeah, we're in the seven-county metro area, and we were the fastest-growing county in the state of Minnesota and the 12th fastest in in the nation. This will also affect us with the land transfer issue because my mom owns the farm. Like I mentioned earlier, we don't have health insurance, which is another issue Land Stewardship Project is working on, thankfully. And But when she does transfer the land to us, even though we're going to plan and keep farming it and we're not going to sell any of it, um, the... All of the non-productive land, that all the yeah, all the non-productive land, we'll have to pay seven years of back taxes on that land, um, even though, like I said, we're not selling it and we won't get any money from this land transfer. But then the other thing I just learned is that we're going to have to reapply to the entire program at that point, and then none of it will be grandfathered in. Not only the non-productive land, but also all of our land in CRP, um, which will then be taxed at the market value as well. Can you give me an idea what would, what would be the difference between the market value and the value that you'd be ba- paying it on based on the agricultural value? What, what's going to be the finances there? I haven't been able to, to figure out that, that question. I think the Green Acres brings our land values to $3,400 an acre. Is that correct? Based on land values in southwest Minnesota. And then they value everything differently. Uh, Woodland, because they can put houses on that and develop, is valued more. Wetlands aren't as highly valued, according to our county auditor. Um, And then there's unclear areas. I've got lots of windbreaks significant windbreaks, also with wild fruits planted in them that I actually harvest and sell to restaurants. And so I don't know if those are considered productive or non-productive. It's a nightmare for the county assessor's office as well to have to map these out and decide what is productive and what's not productive. Um, and it's You said kind of in general some of the development values were uh, like $34,000 uh, and above, something like that? The auditor told us in the meeting in Scott County last November that land prices vary in the county from 6000 an acre, would be the lowest, to $67,000 an acre, based on how close your land is to Shakopee, Prior Lake, Savage, I-35, and which is also another difficult, is another difficulty in determining what, what cost this would be to us and our family. So this could really threaten your... Uh, your ability to stay on that farm, it sounds like. Oh, exactly. I'm full-time farming, and my husband's a musician. So it's not like we have um, a lot of money around to be to be paying these back taxes. And our way of doing farming is low inputs and low amount of money, and then we don't, you know, we don't make a whole lot of money either. So, but we're able to make it work at this point. Um, but not if not if these changes are are put forth. These changes affect a lot of your neighbors, a lot of your farming neighbors? I talked to our county auditor and got the list of all of our Green Acre participants in Scott County, and there's over 700 farms listed 
um, in Scott County. And I've had neighbors come up to me who have seen letters to the editor, like in Agri News and other things, and they'll all be they'll all be affected as well. Um, some even more so than myself because they own a lot more acreage. And like I said, they own streams, they own wooded land um, because we're along the Minnesota River Valley. Yeah, and the cost to them will be will be even higher. I think, that in, kind of in general, in a philosophical sense, this sends a real negative message, too, in that all of a sudden they're considering what you consider really valuable parts of your farm to be not, they're calling it what non-productive. You know, it's useless in a way as, as far as they're concerned. I, I, kind of that sends a, a kind of, a, I, I would think that would be a little bit disconcerting to realize that's the way that they're viewing th- parts of the farm that you really find valuable and you have taken a lot of effort to protect and to preserve. Oh, exactly. I mean, I feel like one of my main things I wanted to do on the farm when I first moved out there was to hold water. Um, I'm, I have a wind generator on our farm. We're up on a hill, and so we're the beginning of a creek on our farm. So I feel like any water that I can hold on the farm, not only is it replenishing our um, moisture in our soil and filtering runoff and you know, improving the land, it also is keeping all of that water out of the Sand Creek, out of the Minnesota River, and helps to prevent flooding downstream. And the irony of it is that, as Bobby mentioned, I got help from the water, Minnesota Waterfowlers Association, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the Farm Service Agency, and other federal and state organizations to reconstruct this wetland. So there were other government bodies that valued also what I was doing and now the state is saying oh now we don't value it and we're going to create a disincentive for taking care of the land my farm has become so much more diverse since we've moved out there and now I mean now I see salamanders on the farm which I never saw before the frogs keep us up at night in the spring because they're so loud and the, the diversity you know is amazing I mean I can't there's I can't imagine having to plow under this land. Um, I have pictures of what it was before versus how amazing it looks now. And it's been a reminder to me of how fast nature can recover if we're working with nature rather than against. And that's why I'm happy that LSP and all of these folks here are working to try to repeal these changes immediately. Though I've known some farmers who have already had made decisions based on what the state said and related to transferring their farm and other decisions and and to plowing under trees and so that makes me very sad and I just wish they would repeal this now so that the farmers could stop making decisions based on poor legislation. To learn more about the Green Acres issue go to www.landstewardshipproject.org and click on resources. Follow the links to our fact sheet section and download fact sheet number 16. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact me, Brian DeVore, at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member and you'd like to support us, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. LSP.